megawatts in the house. Now, now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Any the questions I ask myself when I question myself. Table fam, how are we feeling tonight? <clears throat> hey, really good to see you guys. Hey, if you hear something in my throat, it's because I have, I'm like operating. I, I got hopped up on a couple of tablets of ibuprofen, so I'm like operating at probably 90% right now. So I'm feeling pretty good, but if you hear something in my voice, we're just going to work through it together. Is that cool? Can we do that? Thank you. Hey, if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Isaac, and I'm the young adult pastor here at First Orlando and part of our leadership team here um, at the table. And as Britt mentioned, we are in our last message of our Messy Church series, which I'm so excited. I've loved the series. I hope you guys have been enjoying the series. If you've missed any of them, they're there um, on our Spotify or Apple Podcast or SoundCloud if you do that or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but man, here's how I want to uh, kick us off. So I don't know if you guys are aware, but recently there's been um, a major debate going on between two major parties. And in this debate that's going on, there's um, one party that is significantly winning over the other party. And of course, I'm talking about iPhone versus Android. Right? Any iPhone users? The winners, thank you. Yes, winners in the room. Okay, any losing Android people in the room? Proud? Like I, I know Seth back there. He was like, I asked Seth earlier because I, I was saying I was doing this bit. I was like, hey, Seth, do you have any moral claims around, he's like, around like being an Android user? And he said, um, not quite a moral claim, but there's definitely a reason why I don't use iPhone, but it'd be too technical. We don't have time for me to get into it now. And I was like, respect, bro, respect. But either way, so regardless of if you were iPhone or Android or wherever you are, I think all of us with our smartphones, um, we all have the same response whenever we see a phone screen broken, right? I want you to imagine for a second your phone that you have in your hand, some of you right now, some of it's in your pocket, some of it's in your purse, right? Imagine your phone, and I want you to imagine it just like sh the screen shattering. Have you ever had that experience before? Oh my, it's, ter like it's terrible, right? If you've ever experienced that, you're like, Oh, or if you've seen somebody else, like in there, like somebody that you don't even like, you hate them, they persecute you, and yet you see them with a screen broken, you're like, I'm so sorry, bro. Like I, I'm like I feel for hey, we can put our differences aside. Like I feel for that experience, right? So so we have this broken phone. I remember when I was um I I had, did anybody have like the the original iPhone? Like the very first one that came out in 2007? Yeah, let's go. So I had, I had the second one that came out in 2008. So it was not the iPhone original. It was the iPhone 3G. So I got it right before I'm a little older. So I got it right before I went off to my freshman year of college. And um, when I was there, I was like, you know, in college and college campus. So I'm like riding my bike around campus, but I'm also like on the phone talking as I'm riding my bike. And then I like hit a curb and then a car hits me and then my phone comes out of my hand. I was okay. My phone was not. And I was like, ah, shattered phone, right? So, so sometimes, so with a shattered phone, though, like, it actually, even though, like, we know it can be replaced and it costs money and it's annoying, but we know it can be replaced. But the feeling that we feel is often, like, really, like, ugh, like, despair. Like, oh, no, like, what's going to happen? And, and the reason I mention that is because that feeling that we feel with a phone, I'm not, sh I'm not about to shame us, but I'm saying that feeling we also feel in other areas. Because it's not just our iPhone screens that are broken that cause a reaction out of us. Sometimes we just look at the world around us and it's broken. It's like a broken iPhone screen, 
right? And it causes the same. For some of us, it's like, I don't react to anything else except my phone. Like, okay, that's, we can talk through that. But for, for, for many of us, right, like this, this strong reaction that we get is not just from a broken phone screen. We just feel like the world around us is, is shattered in that way because we, what we're talking about tonight is brokenness, right? And whenever I'm saying brokenness, for some of us, sometimes it's, it's, it's the world around us that seems broken. I don't know if you guys are aware, right? But going on right now is incredibly high inflation, right? And with, um, with, a, with the economy and some of us, we just look at the economy, we look at inflation, we look at, and then for some, not all, but some, we may look at the administration and we're like, ah, they need to do something, they need, right, in that way. And, we're, and then, f- but for a lot of us, we're just, we're just asking, man, am I ever going to be able to afford real estate? The economy's broken. Inflation is incredibly high. I feel broken because I would love to own real estate, but I can't. As well as, man, um, I'm, I'm paying incredibly high rent right now because of inflation, because of the market, and because of all these things, right? The world just seems broken. You're like, rent should not be that high, right? The world is broken. Um, see, for some, like, it's social, we see brokenness in social media because for some of the room, you guys are aware Elon Musk, Musk is now in charge of Twitter? Okay, and as I say that, half the room, see, you saw it, you saw it, right? Half the room just now was like, yeah, and the other half the room was like, I'm not even on Twitter anymore, but I tweeted yesterday that I'm not on Twitter anymore, right? <laughs> so, because even, we just see a broken world with social media to around, like here, this guy that was in space and did electric cars is now in charge of a social media company, and now it causes so much strong reaction and division around, like, some guy that owns a social media platform, right? The world I mean, is broken, right? For some of us, we feel like the world is broken because of the climate, because of climate change. Um, for some, it's, um, we've experienced racism kind of around us, right? For some, it's, it's mental health, uh, it's lack of uh, job opportunities. Um, uh, the, the, it's some, for some of us, it's environment recycling. Um, for some, it's lack of job opportunities. For some, it's just the midterm elections, right? Because we thought the election was going to go how we wanted it to go, and then it didn't, or maybe it did. I don't know, right? So, like, we just see the world incredibly broken. And then for some, we just look at our friends around us, um, and we are incredibly anxious. Our friends are incredibly anxious and incredibly depressed, right? There's just so much brokenness um, around us, right? And if we're to be honest, though, it's not just the world around us that seems broken. It's actually us that feels broken, right? Um, Because for some, we feel broken. For some of us, we feel broken because of the harm done to us, right? It's not just that racism is like this like thing around us happening like to our friends around us and in our neighborhoods. Like we ourselves have experienced incredibly hateful and hurtful racism. And now we have to be able to navigate that. See, for some of us, it's not just social media. Like some billionaire is like owning a social media platform. So for us, we've been bullied on social media. We feel broken because of that, right? For some of us, um, it, we feel um, unfairly rejected. Um, we feel incredibly lonely. See, this brokenness, this has been harm that's done to us, right? And we, now we have to navigate that, and now it's part of our story. But if we were to be even more honest, right, it's not just harm done to us. It's not just the world around us that causes brokenness. It's not just harm done to us that causes brokenness. If we were to be really honest, we don't tell anybody, but if we were to be really honest, it's also the harm that we've caused others that causes our brokenness, right? It's, um, for some of us, it's addiction to pornography. For some of us, it's anger outbursts. For some of us, it's gossiping when people aren't in the room. For some of us, it's lying. 
right? We, we, there's harm that's been done to us. So regardless, however we're feeling this brokenness, um, regardless, here's, here's how we feel. We feel helpless at times because we just don't have an answer. We don't know what to do. Sometimes we doubt. We have such strong doubt, right? We doubt that things are ever going to get better. Um, we doubt that we'll ever feel better. Um, we, some of us, we have so much despair and that we just lost all hope that there's any answer to the brokenness that we experience on a day today. We have uh, one of the women on our young adult team, like in our staff meetings. Uh, so she has a, she calls it the Katy Perry spectrum. And by that, I mean, typically we go around and we ask, hey, how are you doing? You know, in our staff meetings, like we like to check in on each other. Um, and she says, because in the song Firework by Katy Perry, Katy Perry opens up, some of you know the song, um, if you ever feel like a plastic bag drifting through the wind, um, hoping to, wanting to start again, right? So she's like, guys, you know what? Some today, I'm just feeling like a plastic bag. And we're like, mm, I feel you, right? And all of us are like, I also feel like a, like a plastic bag in Katy Perry's Firework. It's because, and here's, here's why I mention this, because... Um, it's not just like, hey, if you're not a Christian, um, then just follow Jesus and now you won't feel broken again. Right? We are, a lot of us in this room, we're Christians. We have Jesus. We know the gospel. We've been at church. And yet, we still feel this brokenness. Right? So this isn't a like, um, hey, just do this one thing and your life will be better. No, 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 no. This is a thing that we need to navigate because there's days when we still feel broken. We still feel like a plastic bag, right? So my question for us tonight is what's our answer? What's the answer to brokenness? How do we navigate this? How do we journey through this? What's the answer to brokenness so that to be able to navigate the helplessness that we feel and the doubt that we feel and the despair that we feel? Can we do that? Is that okay? Can we talk about this? Yeah? Get some nods? Okay. Let's do this. So Paul, so you know we're in our last message of the series. So Paul, in chapter 15, he's saying this. He says, um, now I would remind, in, this is in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, where Paul, he's talking to the church in Corinth, and he says this. He's kind of like ending up, so he's written this really long letter, and now he's like right at the very end, and he's like giving his like final words um, to this church and kind of going to go on one more kind of major topic, and this is the topic that he talks about. He says now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So I want you to notice the word gospel. Some of us, if you grew up in church, you've heard this word a lot. Gospel. It means good news. But I want you to look at kind of how the gospel moves. So we said from the gospel, he says, in which you've received it. Right? So he's the, um, the gospel in the past, there, you've received the gospel, you've embraced it, you've received it, and now in the present, you are, um, hold, you are standing, you are standing in the gospel. And here's this really interesting line, though, where he says, and you are being saved. Okay, this is really interesting because if you think about it, you're like, wait, but are they Christians or are they not Christians, right? If they've already received it, why are they not saved yet, right? Do you guys see that in the text? Okay, here's why. Because, yes, they're Christians. Yes, they're followers of Jesus. Yes, they are. They've received the gospel in the past. Yes, they are standing in the gospel. But this being saved, if you look at it, another way to, to translate it is you are being made whole. So the big idea for tonight is the gospel makes broken things whole. The gospel makes 
broken things whole. I love what Tim Keller says where he says this. He says, the gospel has been described as a pool in which a toddler can wade and yet an elephant can swim. It is both simple enough to tell to a child and profound enough for the greatest minds to explore. Right? So the gospel is both incredibly simple to understand and yet has all of this territory to explore and ask questions and poke. So that's kind of what we're going to do kind of both of that tonight is one sense we're going to give you a really simple gospel as well as we're going to give us lanes to be able to explore, right, for our minds. So the gospel, Paul, in the, later in the passage, he continues, he's going to talk about the gospel in two forms, right? So here's the first form. Here's the first form of the gospel. Number one, the gospel hinges on the resurrection. The gospel hinges on the resurrection. So verse 3, where Paul writes, where he says, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then the twelve. Then he appeared more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. That means they died. Uh, Verse 7. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Right? So the gospel hinges on the resurrection. So I want to take all that, what we just read, and I want to summarize it for us. So here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he resurrected, and he was seen. The gospel. Christ died for our sins, and he was buried. Christ resurrected, and was seen. Okay, so I'm going to take about, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to, let's explore this for a little bit. Okay, he died for our sins. That whenever we're born, we're born by sinners, of, by nature, and by choice, right? We're sinners by nature, and by choice, right? So we're born with the potential for good, but we're born sinners. We're born incredibly sinful, right? So because of that, all the actions that we choose to do, there's sin, there's corruption that's within our lives, right? And the brokenness, as we talked about, let's be honest, a lot of it's our fault, Right? So we have, to, we have to start there, is that the sin that we experience, most of it, we create the problems that we find ourselves in. Right? So we create the drama, we create the feedback, we create the relational conflict. Like, we're part of the problem. Not always, but man, for a lot of our problems, we created it. Why? Because we're sinful. See, but Jesus, this is exactly why he came to earth, to rescue us from our sin. Right? So he, Jesus, he died for our sins. Right? And not only did he die, but he was buried. That, and by buried, it's the true flesh and blood that a human died. Right? There's no illusion of death. There wasn't a fake death. It wasn't this like, okay, was Jesus actually a historical person? Yes, he was a historical person. He wasn't just this like spiritual, mythical person that we just put our faith and our trust in it. Like, he, Jesus was a real person like us. Right? Yet he was without sin. But he died and whenever he died, he was buried, right? So it's not just like he died and didn't feel any pain. No, no, no. He was a real person who died and was buried and was in a tomb for three days, right? And, but he didn't stay dead. He resurrected, right? And the resurrection of Jesus, because, th- like, think about it. If Jesus would have stayed dead, what happens? We're not gathering here tonight, <laughs> 
We're not, you're not, we're not singing any songs. You're not hearing a message, right? We're just at home binging, watching Netflix, doing whatever you would do on a Tuesday night, whatever you would do on a Sunday morning, right? There, there is no Christianity if Jesus did not rise from the dead. See the res- which is why I highlighted this in yellow. See the resurrection of Jesus. That's the gospel hinges on the resurrection of Jesus and the Spirit raised Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything in our lives, right? And and then he was seen. So after he resurrected, this is fascinating. See, it wasn't just like he like was in the tomb, and then he like uh, um, you know like um, if you're into like um, design, like dissolve transition. I mean, on PowerPoint, you ever done a PowerPoint slide? Like dissolve, and he just dissolved into heaven. No, no, no. Jesus was buried in a tomb, resurrected miraculously. The the stone that was in front of the tomb rolled away, and here's what Jesus did. He walked out, right? And then after he walked out, what did he do? He went to see people, right? I want you to read, so typically, as we think through the Gospels, we think of like, okay, the resurrection of Jesus, and then, and then Jesus, if you're familiar with church, then Jesus ascended, right? There was actually a period, 50 days, where Jesus was resurrected and had not gone to heaven yet. There's 50 days, and like the last chapter of each of your Gospels records what happened there, right? And the, the, the appearances of Jesus, this wasn't, um, and there's a reason Paul writes here, of like he's saying, hey, look, this is everybody he saw. And then he said, um, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, right? He's saying, hey, look, go talk to them. Hey, church in Corinth, look, the people that saw Jesus after he resurrected, go talk to them. A lot of them are still alive. Some have died, but a lot of them are still alive. Hey, go talk to Peter. Go talk to, go, go talk to people. Go talk to the people that saw Jesus, right? It wasn't this mass hallucination. Jesus actually died. Jesus actually was buried. Jesus actually resurrected, and then Jesus was actually seen by more than 500 people after he resurrected, right? So there's a, a, a really awesome book called The Case for Christ. It's by, it's by a guy named Lee Strobel. So Lee Strobel, so he's a, he was from Chicago um, originally, and he was an investigative reporter uh, for the Chicago Tribune, right? So it's like one of the premier newspaper there in Chicago. So he was atheist, though. Lee Strobel did not believe in God. He did not believe in Jesus, right? He was an atheist, meaning he, belie- he didn't think that God existed. And so here's funny enough, though, his wife becomes a Christian, all right? So now Lee Strobel's like this like hard, staunch atheist. He's like, mm, I hate God. And then his wife is like, has this new life in Christ, and she's going to church, and she's following Jesus, and she loves it, and she's happy, and she's finding wholeness and satisfaction in Jesus. And Lee Strobel there is miserable, and he's like, oh, my wife's a Christian now. What do I do? And you know what he does? He's like, wait a second. I'm an investigative journalist. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use my investigative journaling skills to prove that Jesus did not rise from the dead. And he gets to work, right? He feels incredibly confident. So he gets to work, and he starts researching, and he pulls up, and he, he talks to experts, right? And he pulls up, like, very old, very, very old documents, and he's reading them, and he's doing the research, and he's doing all this work, right? And so first he tries to prove that the people that saw Jesus after he resurrected, first he tries to prove that they were just hypnotized or that they were having mass hallucinations, that 500 people were all having a mass hallucination at the same time, right? And he's like, okay, that's my theory. That's what had to happen. So then he goes and he talks to a psychologist, and the psychologist says, Lee, that's not possible. 
right? <laughs> like, like scientifically, it's not possible for 500 people all to have the same hallucination at the same time. He's like, oh, okay. Well, what if, he's like, okay, what about this? What if Jesus didn't actually die? What if he was on the cross and then he came up off the cross and he was called, um, so other people call this like the swoon theory or the double swoon theory where Jesus didn't actually um, die. He was just like injured and then went into the tomb and then came out and because he never actually died, that's why he saw people. But then he talked to a medical professional or doctor and they were like, bro, no. You look at all the historical evidence, homeboy died. <laughs> like you like you look at the, Rome, like the Roman documents, man, the Romans who were professional killers who perfected crucifixion as like being the most extreme form of killing and they were experts at it. Like there's no way they let one slip. Jesus died. And especially with a, with a spear that was in his side with the water and the blood coming out of, of, his, of his lungs, Jesus died. So he's like, wait a second, so you're meaning that somebody actually died. And then after he died, people, it's documented that people saw him after he was proven to die and Lee Strobel becomes a Christian. He's like, I can't, I set out on this journey to prove that the resurrection didn't happen, and yet all my research and all my evidence is saying that it did happen. This is why I love Christianity, because Christianity, um, it's the most consistent and logical uh, philosophy, framework, religion, right? Um, it's the most consistent thing. You do not have to throw away your, um, your, your, some of us love reasoning. We love science, right? We love our minds. Some of us are incredibly deep thinkers. And this is why I love Christianity so much because it's not blind faith, right? There's, there's research, right? That backs up like why I believe what we believe. Yes, there's a faith component. Yes, we trust in things we don't see. But man, I love that we just, we, we don't have to be dumb Christians. We can be smart Christians, and the smartest people in the world, if you do the research, Lee Strobel, a very smart guy, he did the research. Jesus rose from the grave, and he gave his life to Jesus, and he's following Jesus. He became a pastor. So he wrote an incredible book. Full disclosure, I did not read the book. I watched the movie. <laughs> so there's a movie came out. So a movie came out in 2017, also called The Case for Christ, right, where it documents the book and documents his story, right? So this movie comes out in 2017, and I watch it, and I'm like, man, this movie's incredible. So then, I'm, some of you know this, I moved to Orlando in 2018, and I start working here at the table, um, just part of the, our table team here. And after I moved here, man, I don't know, like, what happened. I was, I was going through a lot personally. I was going through relationships, just trying to find friendships. I was just trying to navigate stuff and just in my life. And I just started experiencing so much doubt in my faith. And I'm on staff here, I'm, part of, I'm not the pastor, but I'm part of the table team here, and I'm just experiencing, like, immense amounts of doubt to the point where, like, I would come to the table, and then I would go home, and I'll be like, man, do I even want to be a Christian? Like, is Christianity real? Like, is God real? And I'm, like, having these thoughts. I'm like, why am I having these thoughts? I shouldn't be having these thoughts. I'm a Christian. Of course I'm a Christian. But I'm like, man, am I really? And I'm like, ah, and I like, just, like, don't know, like, what to do and how to process this. And here's the question that I kept going back to, to anchor myself in my moments of severe doubt. And the reason I mention that is because if you're doubting and you're here tonight, but you're doubting, hey, I've been there, and here's my anchor, and here's the anchor of our faith right? It's not, um, it's not like the um, every single portion of scripture, right? Right? It's not, although it's, that's true, um, it's not other things. Here is the absolute anchor, the absolute pinnacle, the absolute foundation, the climax of the story of our faith is this, is the resurrection of Jesus. So I had to ask myself when I was experiencing doubt, hey Isaac, did Jesus rise from the grave, yes or no? Isaac, did Jesus rise from the grave, yes or no? Because if no, bro, move back to Texas, you're wasting your time. <laughs> 
If yes, bro, that changes everything, and you got some work to do to figure some things out. So I had to really wrestle with that, and I was like, I can't say that Jesus didn't rise from the grave. So Jesus had to rise from the grave. That means, man, I need, man there's a lot of things that I need to work through in my own heart. There's a lot of inconsistency in my life. There's, I'm just so miserable. If Jesus rose from the grave, I don't think I should be this miserable. Man, I really need to figure that out. Paul even says this too where he says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 14 where he says this, and if Christ um, has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Meaning, if the resurrection doesn't happen, everything we're doing is vanity. It doesn't matter. We're wasting our time. Hey, tech team, let's all get other jobs. Y'all, let's, y'all, you want to go to Culver's after? Like, we're, we're wasting our time here. But because Jesus did rise from the grave, y'all, that changes everything in our life. Do you guys feel this? Like, y'all, dude, somebody was dead. A real person died, and the Spirit of God rose him, right? So why do we believe in Jesus? Because he predicted his own death and resurrection, and then he did it. <laughs> so we believe Jesus, a real person died. And as he died, y'all, make, feel this personal. Like, I don't want you to think that Jesus just died for the sins of the world. Hey, Jesus died for the world. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Y'all, this, me, Isaac, Jesus died for me. This was 2,000 years ago when Jesus was on the cross, when he was getting flogged, the, the, I was going to say, um, not a super bad word, but a word I don't want to say. Uh, when Jesus was um, uh, severely beaten, I'll say it that way, when he had the stuffing beat out of him, um, y'all, he did that for me. Man, I was so crazy. I got to, I'm off notes now. I don't care. Um, I got, so I got to go to, um, y'all love when I get off notes too. So I got to go to, I had such a privilege to get to go to Jerusalem, right? And it got to, like, so whenever we were there, I'm Jared, I'll see you, bro. So we got to, got to go together. There's 150 people back in 2019. We got to go. And when we were there, the temple is still there. The place where Jesus was beaten, where his blood ran, was still there. The stone, it's the original stone. It's still there right? This is three years ago. I'm on my hands and my knees, right? I'm on my hands and my knees, and I'm just so grateful and so thankful that Jesus took my sin. Yeah, we're talking about, oh, just give me one second. Woo, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm back. I'm back. Oh, okay, we're good. We're good. Y'all, like, I'm an incredibly broken person, as are you, right? I'm no better than you. I'm no worse than you. You're no better than me, no worse than me, right? We're all incredibly broken people. And Jesus took the sin of every single one of us, right? And the brokenness that, w- that, we, that we experience, the brokenness that we feel, this is why Jesus died, because Jesus wanted to make us whole. So Jesus died, but he resurrected. And if he didn't resurrect, then there is no hope. The, resurrect, the gospel hinges on the resurrection. But it's not just me that feels this. Let's keep reading, right? And, um, and, and point two, so the gospel hinges on the resurrection. But point two, the gospel gives hope to our story, right? So let's read. Let's, this is Paul, right? Paul feels this, man. I feel this. Last of all, so Paul's writing. He's saying, so, so G, context. So in the previous verses, um, uh, Jesus is appearing to a lot of different people. He's like, he appeared to, to Peter and the apostles. He appeared to 500 people. And then if you go to Acts, Acts chapter 9, right, he said, where Paul, Paul writes this. That's the account, but Paul's referencing the account in Acts chapter 9, but he's writing here and first telling the church in Corinth. He's like, hey, Jesus appeared to me too. 
Jesus knocked me off my horse. Jesus caused me to be blind. Jesus told me to go and to wait, right? And eventually I got my sight back, and, and let's, let's, let's see what Paul writes. He says, last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. Verse 9, right? Man, I feel this so deeply. I mean, I'm wondering if you guys feel this too. Verse 9, where he says, for I am the least of the apostles. This is Paul writing. This is the guy that wrote the Bible. The Bible that we read, he wrote this. And here's what he says about himself, right? He says, um, for I am least of the apostles. I am unworthy to be called an apostle. Why? Because of my past. Because of the sin in my past, because of what I've done. You guys, you know what I did? I persecuted the church of God. Paul both, um, it's slightly unconfirmed if Paul actually um, physically caused somebody to die but it's plausible to believe that because it says in text that Paul severely punished people beyond measure. It also said that people died in the presence of Paul and Paul gave his approval. So either way, Paul was responsible for the death of Christians. Paul would come into this room and slaughter us. And he's saying, man, I am unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul's saying, I'm so broken because of my story. Like, do you know what I did? Um, see, in the, the despair that we feel in our brokenness is because for many of us, we do things and have done things and did things that we never thought that we would do. And we find ourselves in that because whenever we feel broken and we feel despair, sometimes we don't think of the gospel as our first option. We just try to alleviate the despair. So for some of us, we're going to self-medicate. We're just, we're just going to try to numb the pain, numb the feeling. We're going to go out, hook up. We're going to drink. We're going to take drugs. We're going to do just binge on Netflix to stop feeling. We just want to feel numb. We feel so much pain. We feel so much despair. There's no hope. So we do whatever we want to do just to get rid of the feelings. We don't want to feel it anymore. The despair that we're feeling, right? And that despair, it causes us to do things that we would never do, right? And for many of us, we find ourselves there, right? Even um, whatever your plans were, perhaps after the table tonight, next week, whatever you did, I don't care what you did. Uh, I've talked to many of you before, man. I know what your lives used to be like, right? And because I know how some of you used to be like, I know how some of you are right now. And I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you're doing. But I'm just saying, man, if you feel despair, if you feel hopeless, there is grace in the name of Jesus. In the, 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 as I was kind of like kind of crying and bawling earlier right here, just one second, right? Like the, just the sin that we feel, that's why Jesus died. So I say all this, not to make us feel condemned because of our sin. I'm saying I want us to be so thankful for this free gift of grace that we can never experience anywhere else, right? So the despair that we feel, the hopelessness that we feel, the brokenness that we feel, the gospel makes broken things whole. And Paul says that too, because Paul, he knows what he did, but he doesn't get caught up in what he did. Here's what he says in verse 10, where he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of those people, right? <laughs> Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. See, Paul's basically saying it. He's like, I get this grace of God, and here's what he writes. He's like, the grace of God, 
It, it brings wholeness to my brokenness, right? And um, God used my brokenness to now to be an apostle, right? God chose me. God rescued me out of my sin. And now God appointed me to go and to share the gospel to everybody, right? You know why Paul wrote most of the New Testament? Not most, because Luke wrote more if you consider Luke and Acts. You know why um, Paul, that's a Bible nerd. Okay. So you know why Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament? Because God appointed him to do that. Paul, God, rescued Paul from his sin, plucked him out, and said, Paul, I'm going to give you this free gift of grace that you don't deserve because I love you. And now because of the life that I'm appointing you to, I want you to go and share the gospel, and you're going to get beaten, and you're going to die, right? And you're going to plant churches along the way. And Paul, because of your life, I'm going to use you and Peter and the other apostles to build my church centered on the foundation of my name of Jesus Christ. That was Paul. God's not appointing us to that, but what is God, God appointing us to do? Because we have a calling on our life, and the sin that we've experienced doesn't disqualify us, because think about it. Paul kills Christians. We probably haven't done that. I don't want to, don't, don't raise hands. Probably haven't, I don't know, right? So, so whatever we've experienced, Paul, God wants to rescue us, to give us a new calling, a new name, a new identity to go. Why? For the glory of God and for our good. The most satisfaction we'll ever feel, the most contentment we'll ever feel, the most happiness we'll ever feel. We're doing what God wants us to do. And from that, we need to remind ourselves that in our brokenness, God wants to continually make us whole. So God uses our brokenness for his glory, right, and for our good, right? So the big idea, again, that the gospel makes broken things whole. So before, though, before um, Jesus appeared to Paul, he also appeared to other people, right, and making broken things in their life whole, right? So there's a guy named Cleopas. Have you guys ever heard of a guy named Cleopas? Okay, it's in uh, Luke chapter 24. <laughs> You've never heard this before. You grew up in church. I grew up in church, right? I've read the Bible, right? And I'm like, I'm researching and kind of doing my, what I need to do to get ready for this message. I'm like, who's Cleopas, <laughs> right? Cleopas, you've never heard of him. And yet, he had dinner with Jesus after Jesus resurrected. See, Cleopas, he had heard of the resurrection, right? And then he's like, he's like, hey, did you hear that some guy resurrected? And he bumps up against somebody and he's like, hey, buddy, did you hear that some guy resurrected? And Jesus was like, yo, that was me. And he's like, oh. So then Jesus, so then he has these questions, right? So Jesus corrects him and Jesus answers his questions. And then Cleopas, you've never heard of him before. Cleopas, Jesus, can you come over to my house? for dinner? And Jesus says, yes. So Jesus, it's an amazing story in Luke chapter 24. Jesus goes and has dinner with Cleopas, and there's another buddy of his too to answer their questions and to have dinner. See, what Jesus is doing, Jesus, the resurrection, the gospel, he's making the brokenness of Cleopas made whole and spending time with him to do that, right? So Mary, Mary sees Jesus in John chapter 20. Jesus gives her guidance and direction after he resurrected. See, Jesus is making brokenness made whole in the life of Mary. Um, see, the 12 disciples, Jesus had breakfast with them, right? Because the, sometimes the brokenness, we just need, we're a little hungry, right? We're a little hungry. We got to eat. So Jesus has breakfast with them to spend, spend time with them, right? And he also gives his 12 disciples, you can read it in the, the last few chapters of the Gospels, peace and promise and power and forgiveness. See, Jesus, he resurrected, and now from his resurrection, he's making broken things made whole, right? Now, as well as his followers, right, as he's ascending, right, he gives us the Great Commission, which gives us purpose 
and blessing and joy. See, Jesus, we feel purposeless, we feel directionless, we feel miserable. Jesus, his resurrection, the gospel, makes broken things being able to be made whole, right? And Peter, many of us know Peter. Peter, the followers, Jesus hung out with them, right? The oldest of the disciples denied Jesus at Jesus' greatest need, were denied him three times, right? Cuts off the dude's ear um, in the garden, right? So Peter feels incredibly broken because he denied Jesus. Peter feels incredibly disqualified from ministry, for living, for being a Christian. See, what Jesus does is Jesus, this is in John chapter 21, um, Jesus compassionately restores Peter back to ministry. Why? Because Peter feels incredibly broken. But the gospel makes broken things whole, right? I also know this in my own life, right? So, man, some of you know this. So I've experienced a lot of transition over the last couple years, and most of it has been incredibly good. Like, I got married. We got a kid. We got a house, right? I got a new role here as part of the team. Um, Just amazing things. But also, my wife and I and our family, we've also experienced really heavy things, like as a, as a family, right? And it's caused a lot of just heaviness. Like we've experienced loss and grief, and it's just heavy, right? And I f- feel, from that feel, incredibly broken along with and not just physically. Like, so I just feel the weight of this new responsibility of, um, you know, of um, kind of leading you guys well and of being married and being a father, and I'm still new, and I'm kind of trying to be scrappy and <laughs> gotta learn learn how to do this and it just when it, you know you've experienced this too whenever you've gone through transition or doing something like you just it just can feel heavy at times or incredibly traumatic things in your life just feel incredibly heavy and you just don't know what to do you just feel the weight of it so i've just been feeling the weight of it right so now i'm on it so i'm not feeling well today i wasn't feeling well yesterday so i came um, to work and um yesterday and then i'm driving off campus and i just don't feel well as i'm just driving off campus and i just like i'm like ah Ah! That was me in my car. I was going, ah! Like, I just, I hate that I feel weak. I hate that I feel broken. Like, I thought I've resolved all this before. I thought I kind of knew how to do everything, right? And yet, here I am, and I just don't feel well emotionally. I don't feel well physically, right? And um, my, uh, my wife, and Laura, she was on campus today, so we were, we were talking in the office, and we're like, man, like, it's just been, in some ways, just a really heavy season for us. But, the brokenness that we experience is not in an unhopeful, despairing way. It's an incredibly hopeful way. Knowing that um, the, the satisfaction of Jesus is here now in the midst of our brokenness, as well as is there in the midst of our continued healing. So I, I love the table, and the table we call ourselves a banquet for the broken, and I love that we call ourselves that. But as we're calling ourselves a banquet for the broken, here's what I want us to remember. We don't wallow in our despair and our brokenness. The gospel makes broken things whole. We admit that we're broken, we admit that we're weak, and we cling to Jesus and the gospel and the resurrection of Jesus, knowing that we don't need to stay in our brokenness, right? We don't need to wallow in our brokenness. We need to cling to hope in Jesus and our steadfastness in the midst of our brokenness. Man, for some of you, you've gone through incredibly hard family stuff right now right? And you feel no hope. And I'm saying, hey, look, believe in the gospel in the midst of the brokenness that you're experiencing, right? Don't wallow in despair. Have 
hope in Jesus, that Jesus will make broken things whole. For some of us, we feel incredibly lonely. Look, I got, didn't get married until I was 30, right? So in my 20s, I felt incredible bouts of loneliness just trying to navigate friendships and romantic relationships, right? Jesus makes broken things whole. We don't need to wallow in our brokenness. We can cling to hope, right, and steadfastness, knowing that what Jesus is cultivating in us now is for his glory and our good. This is what Paul says in verse 11 where he says this. Whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. And here's what I want us to do and how I want to respond. Is that I want us to believe in the gospel. Believe in the gospel. Right? The, the, the belief, it's not a one-time event. Right? For some of us, we go, oh, I believed when I became a Christian. Yeah, yeah, we believe every single minute of our lives. That's what belief is. We take action towards Jesus right? Belief, the resurrection, it wasn't just a one-time event. Because Jesus resurrected, that impacts every second of our lives today and how we navigate our life and the wholeness that Jesus wants to give us, right? See, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that's alive within us today. Paul writes about this in Romans, right? And because that spirit is within us, that empowers us to move forward to healing in the broken parts of our lives. Whenever it comes to relationships, when it comes to our jobs, when it comes to rental properties, when it, or whatever you're renting, whenever it comes to whatever it may be, Jesus wants to make things whole. And our response is that we hold fast to the gospel and we believe in that the gospel makes broken things whole. Okay, so there, I'll close with a story. So um, back is kind of a bit of a, a zag. Um, back in war, like ancient wartime, here's what would happen. So whenever there were two opposing armies that were at war with each other, um, each one would go high onto the mountain, because they would typically fight in a valley. So each army, well, two opposing armies, um, each would have a messenger that would be high on a mountain. And the messenger would overlook the battle that was taking place, right? See, in the messenger, they had to be fast. <laughs> because if the messenger, they would have to run really long distances. Because if the messenger saw that their army was losing and was going to lose, here's what they would go. They would have to see that their army was losing, and then they would have to go, and they would have to shout, go into the city where they were and shout, whoa, whoa. See, and the word woe was really bad news because the word woe means that your army was about to lose, was losing. So you know what the, the cities did in response to that? They killed themselves. Because if they didn't kill themselves, the opposing army was going to come in to rape and murder them gruesomely. Right, so you didn't want your messenger coming in carrying bad news. Now, if the messenger um, was overlooking the battle and saw that their army was going to win, you know what they would shout? Do you guys know this? You know what they would shout? They would run to the city. They would shout, gospel, gospel! Because gospel meant good news, we're going to win. So when you're there and you're hearing the shout of gospel, gospel, here's the good news is that we already know how the story ends. We win. We win. The messenger's already come. <laughs> His name was Jesus. We win. So here we are now is we're the, kind of in this weird waiting period to where we've won, but we haven't really like, we're not fully yet there until we get to see Jesus face to face, right? Because Jesus that's where we have hope. That's what the gospel means. It's good news. We have hope. See, and hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus is the king who's already fought the battle, 
the battle is won. See, and our hope is that in one day, G King Jesus is coming back to destroy all sin and evil and death and fully restore the wholeness that we'll get to experience. So right now, we're feeling wholeness in parts. I realize that, which is why we still experience brokenness. But we move forward towards full, full wholeness in Jesus because we know one day we will get to experience wholeness in Jesus where there's going to be no more tears and no more crying and no more pain when we get to see Jesus face to face. And that's why I want to end this book on 1 Corinthians. So we're going to sing in response. So we're singing um, a song. Some of you know this, um, O Come to the Altar. I love this song. And here's how the, the song, O Come to the Altar, starts, where he says, um, can, we, can we put up the lyrics, Seth? Just the first, the first verse. Are you hurting and broken within? Right? Some of us were sitting here. We feel hurt. Some of us feel broken. Are you hurting and broken within? Next, next slide. Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is calling. He says this. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Right? And he goes to verse 2 where he says, um, leave behind your regrets and mistakes. We feel that, man. Some of us, we feel so much regret, so many mistakes. Come today. There's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. He says this. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. We'll keep singing it. We'll sing the choruses and the bridges too. Let me pray for us. Father, man, we love you so much, God, because you loved us first. God, thank you for the life that you've given us. Thank you, God, that you take our brokenness, you see it, you name it, God, and you came to rescue us from it, to bring wholeness to our lives, God. So I want nothing more than my friends and my family here at the table, God, to experience wholeness in you. And God, I'm praying that you are awakening hearts right now, God, that perhaps have never felt the wholeness, the joy, the satisfaction in you. It's God, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying, God, that you can send your spirit right now, God, just to awaken the hearts of our people. God, the people that have never believed in you, God, can believe in you in the first time. God, the people that have just started believing you, God, I pray that you sustain them. They can hold fast to your gospel, to the good news. Jesus, I'm praying for some of us that have been Christians for a long time. In the name of Jesus, God, please continue to, to give us the, the power, the Holy Spirit, the supernatural power to hold fast, God, to your truth, to your gospel, to sustain us. God, that we don't feel helpless. We don't feel despair. We don't feel hopeless. We go through trials. We go through persecution. God, you said it was going to happen, and here we are experiencing it right now. God, but because of your word and your gospel, we still have good news in the midst of the trials that we're facing. God, and maybe everything's going amazing right now. We're just incredible. We're so thankful for you, God. And I'm praying that in the midst of everything going now, we can hold fast to you because we know one day things don't always go well. And when things start going down, we don't lose hope. We can trust in you, Jesus. God, I'm just so grateful for you. We love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for your glory and our good and the good of the city that we love, Orlando. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.